Welcome to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner, and today my guests are Dr. Nafisa Parpia and Dr. Eric Gordon. We talk a lot about our upcoming summit that we collaborated on, and I was a co-host, the Mycotoxin and Chronic Illness Summit. Please check out the summit. There's a link in the show notes, and it was such a joy to put together. We have leaders in the field of complex chronic illness, pioneers, and so much clinical insight and information. And during our conversation on the podcast today, we just have a wonderful, lively conversation about how we practice, uh, the insights that we learned uh, from the summit. And our hope is that this information can be powerful and impactful on your journey to health. Welcome, Nafisa and Eric. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having us. Well, this was such a fun collaboration, and I'm so glad our paths have crossed in this way again, because I know that we're both have been in the trenches of treating patients with chronic illness. And I know both of us are, all of us are passionate about however we can get people information more quickly so that they don't have to suffer so long, right? So many patients have struggled with way too long to get answers, and then they're on the road to recovery with finding the right treatment. So that was a really big goal of putting the summit on. And just a little bit, I could think um, you might be new to some of my audience. So Nafisa, do you want to share a little bit about your background? And we've known each other since school. So this has just been really a fun journey for us to take together. So um, can you share a little bit about your background and what you're doing these days? Sure. I focus on detoxification therapies and treating complex chronic illness in combination with detoxification therapies. So most of the patients I see come from all over the country, all over the world. Right now I'm at Gordon Medical and I'll be here for (laughs) for forever. (laughs) Um, Prior to that, I was at uh, Dr. Isaac Elias's clinic and I I met you at Sophia um, back in the day. Well, I met you at school, but we we worked together at Sophia a long time ago, focusing on complex chronic illness, like Lyme disease, all tick-borne illness, mold, mycotoxin, mycotoxins, um, autoimmune conditions, and how these conditions have a deep connection to a high environmental toxicant load. Once I begin detoxification therapies with people and other therapies to modulate their immune system, I like to use peptides a lot for that, or regenerative medicine. Um, then then we're able to come in through the back door and and be able to kill off infections in a way that's more efficacious and 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 quicker mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah i love that and i've come to that conclusion over the years I mean, it's always evolving and um you know i think you know why people are so sick today the, the environment has such a huge role right we have a huge understanding of all these stealth pathogens and, you know, the microbiome issues. But I think why we're so affected by those things we have to look at, you know, the environment and, you know, however we can offload a lot of the toxicants we get from now before we're born. I think the healthier that we are. So I'm glad that is your focus and we'll, we'll pick your brain some more about that today. And Eric, I want people to know more about you. I mean, Gordon Medical has been a you know, a really well-known clinic for years. And I've learned so much from your work, even as a student. And so can you just share a little bit about your journey and what you're doing these days? Well, I, it's interesting um, how my, my my journey started as a regular physician. And then about 92, I went off to just treat chronic illness. You know, the, the things that I had seen that it didn't make sense to 
to medicine. You know, basically in those days, it was mostly chronic fatigue and people, uh, a lot of candida. I mean, people don't realize that uh, mold has been around, I mean, like had been around under other names for a long time. You know, back in, in the 70s, we started really working with candida. Big change was like when I began, I was still doing, even though we knew we knew we wanted to detox people. But to be honest, I did for a, for many years what I call Band-Aid medicine, because that's what you really learn as a, as a physician is how to help a symptom. Mm-hmm. You know, and the idea that we and what we did was, you know, we balanced hormones, we fixed the gut. And these are all important things, but we really did them not so much in a, a global context of detox, because we didn't really, at least I didn't in the beginning, though we talked about detox, even back then, you know, I said, most of us were physicians. And so it was still, let's treat, let's fix the problem. You know, we kept, we kept being stuck and, and that continued, you know, in the nineties, we were treating lots of, um, we were trying to treat lots of viruses and parasites. And then, and Lyme was coming up and we were treating a little bit, but I was hesitant about Lyme in the nineties because I wasn't ready to give people antibiotics based on clinical symptoms without a clear cut test. And the tests were pretty lousy. So anyway, so come the night, come the two thousands. And I started working with Wayne Anderson and seeing a ton of Lyme in early, like 2000. And that's when Wayne joined me in 2001. And we were still Again, we spoke about, because Wayne came as, an, as a naturopath, we, we planned to do lots of detox, but we still did lots of antibiotics, you know, but we got a lot of people sick and sicker. And then we slowly did more and more, but, it, and, and we did a lot of energy balancing, a lot of body work and this and that. But I have to say, until Nafisa joined us and really got us to go you know, to remember that we were just doing Band-Aid stuff. We didn't go back to the beginning often enough, mm-hmm. you know, and see, because we were, I was in a rush that early ER training uh, that all doctors get, we want to fix quick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if somebody has been sick for 20 years, the fix quick is usually just a Band-Aid. You know, let's fix this symptom. And I'm really good at those. But when, but when Dr. Parpy, when Nafisa goes back in and cleans them up from the butt, that she said, then suddenly it might take a year or maybe even two, but then the person moves very rapidly mm-hmm. because they're not, they're ready. Their body's working. Well, I unfortunately could treat people for five and 10 years and we get them, you know, 10%, 20%, 30%, maybe even 70%, but we often didn't get them completely better because mm-hmm. we didn't take the time to go back and really deal with the toxic loads. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, so, so that, 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 that's a realization, you know, again, you know, when people come in who are fairly healthy, you can get away and doing our old style medicine, they will get better. You've been sick for six months. I can give you the drug, boom, boom, and you'll get better maybe until you hit the next big stress. Right. <laughs> you know? uh-huh. So anyway, long story, but I think that's what's so important. And that's what drives my interest in, um, in now doing some teaching is because when you start working with people at this level, it's you really have to meet them at the individual level Mm -hmm. and find out that there are a hundred modalities out there and we can't be good at all of them, but at least if we know about them, we can maybe match up people with what they need. And if people hear about them, which we're presenting in the, in this, in the summit and hopefully in future ones, all the different modalities, they can see what resonates with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that 
often will um, make make the treatment program easier, smoother, and um, much more fulfilling for all of us. Because the quicker it is, the happier we all are. <laughs> I love that, and I no, and I often say that we're like in search of the most elegant path to healing, right? For our patients, right? Yes. right? It's the most elegantly, meaning this shortest distance, you know, between two points and also, hey, you know, with some ease and grace, right? And I love um, how reflective you are. I mean, obviously you've been doing practicing medicine for mm-hmm. decades now and, you know, these illnesses have been ahead of our knowledge, right? And so when you're on the front line, it's just this, you know, of course the intention to do as least harm as possible, but to help, you know, where we we have that mindset, we need to fix people and get them back to life, right? And so, but what an evolution because these illnesses have been around and yes, they're, I think, increasing and, you know, with the toxic burden yeah. and all, we know where they're on the rise. You, you all in your practice have been at the front line of understanding these like very intimately in all the dynamics. And it does, um, I agree, come back to this idea of, um, you know, the body's always trying to move towards health, but what is in the way of the body's ability to self-regulate and heal. And yes, it's the burden of uh, microbes, but also this environmental piece. And I want to touch on a few things, but because this is such a foundational uh, piece of your work and such a um, you know, important part, the detoxification piece. So Nafisa, when you um, work with a new patient, like what are you working them up for? And like, how are you approaching their detoxification? So I'm working them up for heavy metals. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start by doing an unprovoked test for, for people who don't know what that means. It means simply collecting your blood and your urine at the lab and having the lab measure mm-hmm. the toxic metal burden. What I'm finding these days is a high, not the burden, sorry, the acute sort of the, the acute level just floating around the blood and the urine. What I'm finding is a very high level of mercury, lead, arsenic, and aluminum, actually a lot more arsenic than I've ever seen before, just floating in the blood in the urine. Just regular lab core. Lab. Regular lab core. Yeah. Wow. And, and most people have access to that lab, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's covered by most people's insurance. Yes. And if that's high, I'm going to have them do a fish fast for three to four weeks and, and redo it. And mm-hmm. many times I see it come down. Other times it comes down just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and then I'm going to do a provoked test, EDTA and DMPS. Mm-hmm. And they'll collect their urine for six hours, send a sample to the lab, and that's going to measure the burden in, in their cells. Metals bioaccumulate in the cells of the organs, letting our audience know that in case they don't know. So I'm measuring the metals, both provoked and unprovoked, and I'm finding a lot of glyphosate high in people. So I'm measuring glyphosate and I'm measuring um, a whole slew of toxins, for example, perchlorate, benzenes, all kinds of different pesticides, solvent, industrial solvents. And I'm also measuring, of course, mycotoxins. <laughs> and, and I'm finding these all quite high in my patient load. Since we're talking about, the, about mycotoxins in our summit, I think the mold and mycotoxins is a big ignored piece. A lot of people will say, no, I don't have an issue with mold or I've never lived in, in, in a moldy house or apartment, then I dig deeper. Okay, have you, have you had a leak in your building or in an office you were in, you know? And then all of a sudden people remember, oh yes, mm-hmm. I have. It's so, it's so much more prevalent than, than people know. And mm-hmm. so I'll find a, a load of uh, mycotoxins mm-hmm. and I'll find high mold allergens 
And then I'm going to find a high ERMI test on people. That's a simple way, a preliminary way of testing for mold in the house. So putting all the pieces together for, for mycotoxins and mold. So once I, I do the workup with different tests, then I'm we're going to decide what the biggest red flag is. Mm-hmm. And we'll usually start to, to detox that first and then, and then bring in treatment of both. So I'd start to treat metals first. Usually metals are a bigger issue for most of my patients. Then, then we'll bring in detoxification of glyphosate and other chemicals, which in those bioaccumulate in the fat cells. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we've done, we started to do, because I'd like to do a lot more of this moving forward, but in this summit is we've had a few sessions where we've talked to some of the people involved with the lab testing or people or, or, or doctors who've really gone out of their way to do a little extra with looking at lab tests, because you know, there's always been great controversy of what these mean, especially in regards to the mycotoxins uh, and mold exposure, you know, because mold is ubiquitous. It's throughout the environment. Uh, it's on all of our, most of our foods, especially any, you know, anything that's a day or day old is <laughs> mold, you know, and yet most of us don't have problems. So people, a lot of people would say like, you know, what are you measuring? And so, you know, we we're presenting, um, we're talking to um, Dr. Matt Pryat Hyatt, who helped develop some of these, uh, the mass spec testing for the mycotoxins. And we spoke to Dr. Campbell, who's developed, who worked with the lab doing the antibody testing for mycotoxins and Dr. Folletti and Dr. Mary Ackerley, who both spent a lot of time looking at lots of these tests with a, with an eye on, is this real or mm-hmm. is this artifact? You know, so I think, you know, we don't have the absolute answers, but I think we give people a lot of information that will make them feel a little more validated. And plus we also deal with the allergy component because mm-hmm. that's another big piece and the mast cell component, which is, I was going to say, you know, like you talked about watching how we learn over the years. I look back, you know, with the easy things you're saying like, you know, well, we had Lyme and we kind of, and then, then we learned about, you know, Babesia and then we always knew about the Ehrlichia, but, you know, and then everything was Babesia and then everything was Bartonella. And then on the side, there was a little chlamydia. And, you know, because we, yeah. as we learn about these things, we, they tend to come to the forefront and we think, oh, this is the answer. Right. And right. it is. And it's part of the terrain that we have to figure out who needs what. Mm-hmm. Well, the same thing happens with, with even um, not just the bugs, but how our bodies react to things. You know, you remember the hypercoagulability in the mid 2000s with everybody, you know, that was, we were all from the early methylation just around the same time, (laughs) you know, know, these are what I call the flavor of the month. And they're all really important. Mm -hmm. And they're all things we need to know a lot about. Mass cell, I think is one of the big, big things of the last, you know, five to 10 years has been a big, really not maybe five to seven, a big player. And we interviewed Dr. Larry Afrin to get a little more on that. And Beth O'Hara as and, well. Right. You can't her. forget her. Oh yeah. No, no, I mean, that, that's the thing. We, we, we split the interview. Yeah. So sometimes I don't really <laughs> yeah. know. And um, I interviewed um, Dr. Tony Dempsey. So we have like all the pioneers of mass cell, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. important because everybody's got it. I mean, everybody's got a different way of looking at these things. But um, I think we're going to have a a session, you know, talking, I refer frequently throughout the talks about the CCI, the cranial cervical instability, which I think is another uh, piece that we have to keep in mind. It's not the cure-all for everybody by any stretch, but it's an aggravating factor for lots of our folks with a lot of mast cell 
And usually mycotoxins mm-hmm. are a great trigger because, you know, chronic infection. I mean, you know, anyway, long story about mast cells and CCI that we unwind or as they say, don't they say, what's the term these days? We unpack. I think that's the... Uh, <laughs> There's a lot to unpack in the summit, definitely. And you you know, interesting points that might be new to some people who are listening to. So mast cell, I think most of my audience understands, and we can maybe talk a little bit about that. But the CCI, um, maybe just the, you know, high level of what that is, because I've been, you know, there's just that small subset of our patients that, you know, for those who it affects, it's the game changer. But I've had a, a few patients that that was just the thing that they needed. And I think the more that we have awareness, we can guide those people people to those resources. But what is CCI? People probably have no idea. Yeah, just, you know, well, just briefly, your head sits on top of your skull and your brainstem, you know, becomes the spinal cord when it goes through that foramen magnum, the hole between your skull and your upper spinal cord, you know, basically it just changes. It's the same thing. It's the brainstem. It just changes name to spinal cord when it goes through there. And there's the, there's ligaments that hold everything in place that keep everything tight there, you know, or not tight, but just with the right amount of tension. Okay. And if those ligaments get a little loose and you start often use, many people start off with a little abnormal um, anatomy to begin with the, the, these, you know, like where these bones meet doesn't quite sit like the rest of us, but just microscopic, not enough to notice your regular MRI will be pretty much normal. But when we get inflamed, ligaments and tendons get a little more lax. I mean, many people will notice that um, in, if their allergies flare, if they tend to have a neck or something, it'll go out easier mm-hmm. in allergy season. And they mm-hmm. might go to the chiropractor once, twice a year, but allergy season, they might have to go back two or three times because it doesn't hold. I think mm-hmm. it's important to say that's because the mast cells flare it. So the mast cells will tenderize the ligaments, not only the brainstem, but other ligaments. I think that ties into people who have EDS and other issues regarding lax laxity of ligaments. We see that all the time. So when the mast cells are flaring, the symptoms flare. Because basically your mast cells are your oldest immune cells. So anytime the immune system is upset, the mast cells usually are partaking a bit. But anyway, so the CCI is when those ligaments get a little lax and you have microscopic movement. And when that little bit of irritation, you can produce all the terrible symptoms that our patients have. It's not the only reason, but you can get all the autonomic symptoms, the POTS, the tachycard, the rapid heart rate, the sense of, you know, what we, a lot of the things that we think of Babesia, the breathlessness, the sense of not enough breath. I mean, it can be Babesia, but it can also be from this lax ligaments. So any autonomic symptom, you know, the SIBO, gut things, all of them are exacerbated if this area isn't happy. Um, the, now, the extreme cases are the bedbound people. You know, they're bedbound. They can't stand light, sound. They can't even talk because talking exhausts them and is almost painful. You know, so these are the sick, sick, sick. Now, those people often respond well to surgery. Uh-huh. And when they do get operated, what blew me away, I mean, uh-huh. in the first time, in my first doctor, um, uh, Kaufman was one of the first patients that I had met who had this dramatic changes. I mean, they were, went from bed bound to, and, and with viral, high viral loads, mast cell activation, and they went to basically normal wow. within months after surgery. You know, but those are the extreme cases. The thing that I think is especially interesting is I'm finding that 
like I said, 80% of my patients have, have, I've been watching for years have a little lax ligaments because that's something that Dr. Shoemaker noted 15, 18 years ago when he was, he first got carried away with the arm left. He got, you know, people would, you know, those were again, the extreme people. But the point was hyperflexible people tend to have more of the, um, the, 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 the haplotypes for uh, inflammation. They tend to have the HLA types that go along with ex excess high C4As. And they also tend to have associated this tendency towards lax ligaments. So inflammation, you know, each one feeds off the other. Anyway, long story is that I think there's mild forms of this CCI that are affecting lots of people. But the good news is if you lower the inflammation by getting rid of the mold uh -huh. and get the mast cells quiet, the ligaments tighten up because it's a dynamic process. Now, some people are so far gone. And again, they have anatomical problems that that doesn't happen because this is not, you're not breaking your neck. You're just putting microscopic pressure on these nerves, you know, and they're feeding back and they're sending the danger signal to your whole body. Okay. That, so that's kind of the magic thing. This isn't broken. It's just aggravated except in some of the severe cases. So anyway, long story, I, 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 but it's, it's, it's something that I think is, is uh, again, it's another piece of the people that we haven't been able to help. Yeah. You know, I, my heart goes out to the people when I look back, I mean, I've been doing medicine for 40 years and I've been doing this stuff for 30. And, you know, I just wish I knew now when I, when I saw them back then, because I can see the people who I, I, I failed. I didn't help much, mm -hmm. you know, because I didn't know enough. Mm -hmm. You know, I helped, but I didn't get them well. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's, it's always, but that's the nature of this game. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why we're doing, you know, these podcasts and these summits, because, you know, we, we hey, maybe some of those people are listening now, you know, and, you know, these are new clues. And it, this is, we only know what we know, right? Again, this, this is a piece that I also have, uh, you know, a, a handful of patients that I that come to my mind right away that I'm not in touch with anymore that I'm like, Oh, my gosh, I hope they, you know, make this connection themselves. That is, I think, a new insight in this world that we all um, treat patients in, and you're going to be doing education on the summit about that. And Dr. Schumacher, right, is on um, the summit. Yeah, he's yeah. going to be talking about his favorites, you know, a, a little bit about th that, you know, it's not just mold. Right. And it's one of his good, his important points that it's not just mold in water damaged buildings. There's lots of bacteria that produce volatile organic compounds that make us, that inflame us. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which is really important when you get, you know, he's not only the mold. And also we do a whole segment on his new test that he's very interested in. Again, that I think is very interesting. All tests, I don't think they give us the answer that we're looking for, which is you got that. Yeah. <laughs> um, if it was that easy, we would, not, I, you know, our, know, our practice would be very different, right? Right. Um, but but it, I think it's another test that will help direct us that you probably got some of that. And if we fix that, we're going to get you to a new level. <laughs> uh, 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 what's his test the genie test right the genie the, test genie, yes yeah i haven't yeah. incorporated that yet in my yeah. practice but so a couple of my patients have started to explore that and yeah i'm, I'm super interested so i'm, I'm definitely going to be yeah it's another it's another test that unfortunately the learning i mean you know as we get fancier or more subtle in our testing the mm -hmm. learning curve for the physician gets harder and harder you know, it's not like you get one number and it tells you, you just got to read about what that no one number means, but you're now getting back 180 numbers with shades of gray. Yeah. Mm, right. So, but it's helpful. 
you know, and we also took a deep dive with Dr. Um, Sharon Hausman Cohn on her the IntelliX DNA, which is another one of the, the you know there are many many DNA tests out there that are helpful clinically. Mm-hmm. Um, I happen to have a fondness for hers because I think the way she curates her data, the SNPs, we really know which ones are clinically relevant because we there's lots of SNPs. Sure. Which ones are you know, and, and we don't know. Again, it, we're learning. And what, I think what I love about her work is that she's she's looking at how different SNPs will behave with one another mm-hmm. and really called the literature to look at what kind of disease processes can be linked with, with the combination of different genes together. And when I, I use her report a lot, and, and when I look at that and I, I compare it to, to other labs that I'm looking at regarding their environmental toxicants or their inner biochemistry in other ways, I see it match up with, with the, the, the genetic results. Mm-hmm. And that's a unique differentiator because we can look at them in isolation, right? But that interconnection and that pattern, you know, that we right. see probably is more predictive than just the SNP alone. Oh, and right. um, so exactly. that, I, I, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to that lecture too. <laughs> and, and, then can, and then we can hopefully find the supplement that we know you need to stay on versus yeah. the one that you can use for a month. And, you know, then we move you on to something else. Because yeah. that's, again, another great question. I always hate what I call the shopping bag thing. You know, people come in literally with a sh- two shopping bags full of supplements. And I just don't think that's yeah. health, you know? Um, and so, but, but there are a few that our body really needs lifetime support for, and it's only through the genetic testing that we can really see which ones those are, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, and, and so that's, that's an exciting, uh, exciting addition. Yeah. I think oh, to we're not we using do. the genetic test to diagnose disease. Of course yeah. we're using it, um, in, in conjunction with what we're seeing right now on, on their inner, inner biochemistry, mm-hmm. right. As well as their family history and the way that they're presenting clinically. So tying those three pieces together, we can say, okay, you, you're more likely headed in this direction. We see, we see this in your family history, in your labs and in your presentation. Now here are the genes to back that up. I think that's, I just want to echo, that's so important for people is the SNPs don't mean you're going to have that illness at all. Many people have SNPs for all kinds of terrible neurologic diseases, and they're never going to have it. So please, that's one of the great confusions. And I'm glad um, Nafisa really, you know, pointed that out, that it's only in the context of what's happening in your life and and your biochemistry that they mean something. Yeah, no, it's an empowering viewpoint, right? It's not set in stone. Yeah. No. And that it's important to that patients understand epigenetics that these genes that you may not like that you have, they don't need to express. We can do a lot of work to prevent that expression just because everybody, every female on your mom's side of the family had breast cancer. You don't have to have that. Yeah. Yeah. We can do what we can to prevent that. Mm -hmm. I love that. We can sometimes just get caught in that story and just think that that's our path when I think our our work, I mean, on, on a very fundamental level is we're um, helping to optimize epigenetic expression through all the, you know, that you can have the best body that you possibly can while you're on the planet. I want to talk more about the summit, but I also just want to give you both a moment. You both speak a lot about the cell danger response and through Dr. Navio's work and what um, he shared and then how this is really a clinically relevant model to understand a lot of what we're seeing symptom wise and also kind of a 
you know, it helps. It's like that intersection, like we're dealing with the toxicants, we're dealing with, you know, the pathogens, even the, you know, the trauma, you know, like all of that, you know, I think has a place with the cell danger response model. So can you both share what the cell danger response is and how do you um, approach that clinically? You want to start by telling them about the research that Gordon Medical okay. did with well, that? Well, yeah. actually, did, yeah, yeah, quick, the quick backstory is, um, I think Dr. Chandra, someone sent me, I think it was Dr. Chandra, sent me an article by Dr. Navio back in 2013, and Dr. Nathan was working with me back then, and we both looked at this and said, this is amazing, okay? And we arranged to meet him down in San Diego. We had lunch at one of the ILADS meetings, and, you know, and we just really were enthralled with his worldview because what he did was he looked at the mitochondria differently and he explained what we had been seeing, giving people who were chronically ill, at least our patients with chronic inflammation, giving them mitochondrial support was not a sure thing. I mean, sometimes it helped, but oftentimes, you know, they'd been on the CoQ10 and, you know, the ubiquinol and the carnitine and, you know, just any, well, they didn't have NAD in those days, but, you know, but all those, you know, basically our whole line of, of mitochondrial support. And it, it was like, you know, shooting bullets at Superman. It didn't do anything, uh-huh. you know? And in fact, sometimes it made people feel worse. And so Dr. Navio looked at the mitochondria as a sensing organelle, Okay that this mitochondria that is also the powerhouse of the cell, what produces our ATP, has a second function, which is actually probably as important because it senses what the um, energy levels are in the cell and it, and it then responds. And if it senses that the energy is being used up by another organism or by a toxin, it changes and it stops just making its nice ATP and it tells the nucleus to like kind of slow down, change. So you're no longer feeding the virus. Mm-hmm. Basically it's a anti, because the virus is probably the prototypical, the first insult that the single cell organism had to deal with, you know, it was a viral insult. And so that's our defense mechanism. So these mitochondria actually control our defense mechanism. And then he went on and developed the concept of the cell day, or he didn't, yeah, developed it. He, he kind of really put it together. Lots of people have come up with pieces of this. The idea that the mitochondria has three different component, three different types of mitochondria or stages of life because they can change. And I'll let, I think Dr. Parpia has a really nice, good way of, of laying that out that's clear. But the most important part to my mind is that the mitochondria aren't broken. Mm-hmm. Okay? They're not sick. We tend to think in terms of the mitochondria when people have chronic illnesses, they're sick. No, they are act. They are acting in response to the their local environment. So they're producing less energy and they're producing more ATP to signal to other cells that they're sick. Mm-hmm. But they're doing this for a reason. And you know, the first stage is this inflammatory stage when you're repairing, like acute. You know, that first moment when you cut yourself or you you know, in acute infection, and there's a lot of cell damage. Okay. The second stage of the cell day. And at that point you want, you're just burning glucose, just like an athlete who's doing the the maximum output for a few minutes. You just burn sugar because you can, you can multiply that so fast. You can actually make more energy burning sugar than you can with ATP for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's that first stage. The second stage is when you're beginning to rebuild tissue again. Okay. And if that stage is stuck, you can wind up with diseases like diabetes and, uh, you know, like where you're just building, you're kind of like, you know, cancer. Yeah. And cancers. Tumors. Yeah. 
And then the third stage is when the cell has like um, stopped rebuilding the tissue, but is now learning to communicate again. Mm -hmm. Because when the cell is hurt, it stops communicating much. The The receptors on the cell membrane aren't really there yet. So the ability to communicate to other cells in the body is diminished. Mm, you yeah. see hormonal issues when people are stuck here, hypothalamic pituitary issues. Mm. So it's just, I mean, I, I'm not doing it justice because, like, you know, it's one of those things that's such a, I, I sometimes go off into small little pieces, but just to say is that it gives us a, a story. I mean, that's the thing. The cell danger response is not a thing. Mm. Okay. It's just a way to understand, to map out the physiology, what's happening in the body when you're ill. Okay. So it's not like people often ask me, many doctors, is this the cell danger response? Everything is the cell (laughs) danger response. Okay. It's it's just what stage is it in? Mm. Now, the difficult part is people want to know like, okay, how do we switch it? Because what's happened is that the cell danger response is normal healing cycle. Mm -hmm. It's only becomes an issue when you get stuck, when you don't move smoothly from CDR one, two, and three. And this is something we should talk because it's, to me, it's always mimic the German. Yeah. The Rekaweg model. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, when you were, it it was so funny. You said that when you were, I've never put those two together, but when you were talking, I was thinking that chart, you know, how, um, how we get rid of, you know, toxins or we deposit them and you know what that degenerative aspect of what happens, you know, that's the cell danger response because it's just stuck. In, yeah. in, you know, if, if, it, if it either moves through to health or if it gets stuck, that's, you know, the tumor stage or, you know, I mean, like, it's, yes. anyway, <laughs> these are models for thinking. I guess that's what I want to get across yeah. to people. They're models for thinking. The important clinical component is to realize that if mitochondrial support isn't working, step back and look harder at treating the underlying, if there is an underlying trigger or removing the toxin, and then maybe the system will reboot because we're still stuck with we can't get there an important piece also is that it's not once someone has entered chronic illness it's not so much about the inciting event anymore right for example heavy metal toxicity or uh, chronic lyme disease mold mycotoxin illness they all kind of start to look the same Mm -hmm. symptoms are the same the nervous system has been hijacked. The immune system is dysregulated. There's, there's issues in the musculoskeletal system and the gastrointestinal system. And, and people say, is it, um, is it because I have Lyme or is it because I have mold or mycotoxins? Is it because I have metals or glyphosate? It is because you have all of them and people will notice if they've had, had a lot of Lyme therapy before coming to us, they might not have Lyme anymore. We'll test that. I'd love to talk about InfectoLab. Actually, we'll, we, there's a new test, right? And it can tell us if we're in active tick-borne illness, Lyme, Babesia, Bartonella, or, or Lichia, Rickettsia, mm. or not. And so a lot of times people will already have been treated for those tick-borne illnesses, but they're still presenting with uh-huh. symptoms. And I think a, an important thing to understand is, yes, the inciting event has been removed. Those bugs have been well, the microbial count has been brought down so low that they're no longer active. Uh-huh. You're still experiencing all of this. And why is that? that? That's where I think looking at the inner biochemistry, meaning the terrain of their whole system, uh-huh. looking at those genes is really important because then we can understand where it is that the patient is stuck. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's a really great point, you know, because I think, you know, impatience can, you know, get, you know, caught on because they finally found that thing that they have and they think, you know, it explains everything and it, it's like never ending, but we have to, you know, we have to look, okay, you, you move past that, but now we have to, it's that immune modulation piece, you know, that really has to, yeah. you know, come in yeah. and our tools are getting better, right? You mentioned peptides, you know, other things that were, while well, the regenerative medicine, I feel yeah. um, that we're having a, a bigger toolkit to really bring people back to immune homeostasis whatever that means to people right right Right. yeah we have to get past the the checklist that that we need but we have to get past it because i always said one man's bartonella is another man's babesia (laughs) 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 i mean and it's not that it's just because there are a few symptoms that we feel are hallmark but even them the body has only so many ways of making noise Mm-hmm. You know, so we have to take them in context. And so again, so the cell danger response, I feel like I, I think we have to get uh, Dr. Parpian and Nafisa did a great overview of it when she spoke for Paul Anderson at his conference. Yeah. And I'd love to, to get that out. I don't know if we could ever do that, but, uh, but just, do, you know, because it, um, you know, I've spoken on it several times, but I, I find that, again, I tend to go down my rabbit holes. I think she did a very good job of giving people um, the information they can then use to think with it. I'll be speaking on this at ICI, which is the International okay. Society of Environmentally Acquired Illness, and I'm on the board of directors there. So I'll be speaking of that at our upcoming conference, actually, next May, the end of May. So May, May, 2022. Yes. May, 2022. I think it's May the 18th for four days that that weekend. Awesome. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, we're actually talking about conferences again. I know. I know. I know. That's a good thing, right? Not just on Zoom, right? And so wouldn't that, that's an excellent um, explanation and perspective to share with people. I guess you mentioned real quick, Nafisa, you said InfectoLab, right? Do you want to just say a couple, um, did you interview uh, the owner of InfectoLab? No, I didn't. I, you know, I, I feel he was, I, I was, that was, it was one of my, like, <sighs> so many, you know, we, we got, yeah, we, got it's hard to get everybody. I mean, yeah. we have a wonderful lineup of people. Yeah, no, 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 really, but I'm, I'm planning yeah. that maybe as, as part of our bonus at the end, our, 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 you know, the follow-up webinar, I'm really thinking I want to focus a little bit on a few of the, what I think are the, some of the tests that I think are changing how we're practicing Yeah, and that are not well understood. And I'm hoping to do to to add to add them in because anytime you know we all grew up on B cell tests on antibody testing, mm-hmm. and now this test looks at T cells. And again, we we go back to the habit. At least I, I, every doctor I've spoken to about this does it. They want black. Even though we've all been doing this a long time, and no. Other than a blood count, we don't have many black and white answers. Right. <laughs> and even that can be shades of gray. Right. You know? right. yeah. but, and yet um, people do. And, you know, and especially when you're measuring, you know, what T cells are doing, they're not. But, but this is the closest test that I have found that really gives me, is it active or not? Because right. that's been the problem with chronic fatigue and chronic Lyme. I mean, going back to the 80s with chronic fatigue is we had all these really elevated herpes viruses, EBV to HH6 to CMV. And, and we've been chasing them for, what, 30 years? And I have to put a shout out right now. You know, those probably most people don't remember Dr. Paul Cheney. Paul was like really, he was one of the doctors involved in the Incline Village outbreak. And I think in 80. 
85 or 87 or 86, something like that. And he dedicated his life to treating chronic fatigue. He just recently passed away, I think about a month ago now, at about age, I think he was 75, he's a young man. He, yeah. But Paul realized way earlier than most of us, okay, that for most people, it wasn't an active virus. Mm-hmm. Now, the confusing part is about a third of the patients, it, they do respond to high dose antiviral therapy, but I'm still trying to figure out which third that is. <laughs> but, but the point, but his point was that most people don't is because it's not the problem, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the issue with our laboratory, with our antibody laboratory tests. We even see the same thing with Lyme disease is that, you know, people can have positive IgG antibodies, which the Infectious Disease Society will say, oh, look, you have Lyme. And yeah. those are the people we feel, well, looks like they've gotten over the line. Their IgMs have gone away. Right. right. <laughs> you know? right. So right. I think the T-cell testing, I said, which we'll do a special segment on, I think is a real important next step. Uh-huh. You know, it's been in Germany for a long time, and many of us were ordering it from Germany. But because T-cells, are, there aren't a lot of them in the bloodstream and they're sensitive, they didn't survive well to mm-hmm. Germany. So now that we're doing it again in America, I think we're beginning to get better results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been excited about this test too. And now with more access and accessibility, yeah. you know, I think it will help guide us. And I think, you know, the COVID conversation too, I think is opening the door to B cell versus T cell immunity and kind of one of those funny things, or maybe not funny, but, um, you know, it's interesting, right? That with the awareness of COVID, there's almost an more acknowledgement of the world that we've been all living in for, you know, decades um, between the all of us. Yeah. Um, and I even almost uh, like had a moment, I'm like, on my Medscape, I'm like, they're warning, like, California is going to have the worst, you know, Lyme season, you know, out of, you know, you know, and I'm just like, is Medscape acknowledging Lyme at the beach in California? Like, you know what I mean? So it's like these world, like awareness is rising right around these things. And I think between this post-infectious COVID piece and, you know, what we've seen, you know, with our chronic infection patients, I, I'm hoping this will only broaden the awareness and research. So we we just have more tools and understanding of what we're dealing with for so many years. Mm. One of my favorite interviews was the one I did with Dr. Paul Anderson, actually, where he talked about COVID long haul syndrome and the yes. intersection of that with mycotoxins and other infections and environmental toxicants. And it's just, it's just a wonderful talk. Yeah. And what I'm seeing a lot right now are, are patients who are new to us, who did have COVID mm-hmm. and suddenly they're in chronic Bartonella or Babesia and they had no idea that they had this. So it's like having COVID stirred up the immune system mm-hmm. so that other underlying subclinical infections could now present. Mm-hmm. And I am not an anti-vaxxer. I'm vaccinated myself. Mm-hmm. So, but I have seen people who after they got the vaccine, it was hard on their immune system, other infections or, or their immune system became dysregulated. So we just have to be prepared for what's out there in our new world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm so. very excited about, I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I didn't say very sad that COVID happened and disrupted the world. <laughs> I mean, like, and kill, I mean, just, just what it's done, but you know, the end result is that, but post COVID is suddenly allowing a lot of people to focus on these chronic illnesses that have been totally ignored. Because the thing is, we've, I've been swimming in this for decades now, but the reality is that the reason patients love us so much is because we actually acknowledge that they're ill. Yes. 
And I think, which is the most terrible thing in, in the world, that um, I'm considered a wonderful physician because I noticed that you're sick. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Much I, more than that. So I know. But you know what I you know you know what I mean is that like you know people come in and like are so thankful because you at least and and that is. And I understand why, because if you hadn't seen a lot of people like this, and if they walk in and they're smiling, mm-hmm. and they're like I said, their blood count is normal. It's like you know the regular doctor just kind of like you're not. I don't know what to do for you. You know you're fine. Bye bye. So, but that being said, post COVID is changing the landscape. Yeah. Okay. Now, you know, again, the the Lyme world has fought tooth and nail. Um, The chronic fatigue world has taught, I mean, you know, and a lot, you know, I I mean, uh, for the chronic fatigue, I have to say Whitney Defoe and his dad, uh, his dad, Ron Davis, um, and his mom, you know, (laughs) have done a lot to really get chronic fatigue at least on the table as an acceptable conversation piece with doctors rather than something that people would often be insulted for saying Mm -hmm. they have still. And I think the post COVID research, especially the stuff that um, Bruce Patterson is doing um, using the AI, which when I first heard of, I thought, eh, it's not going to, but I was wrong. He's done some really good work. And uh, I think just the, um, the exciting treatments that people are doing, you know, the, uh, the first line docs with, you know, really pushing and, and showing how effective ivermectin, vitamin D, and a lot of other things are. And now uh, Dr. Patterson and his work, I, I see some of the, um, some of the small cell mo- molecules that he's using for the post-COVID people are going to help our chronic fatigue people mm-hmm. and our, our chronic mold people, people, the mass cell folk. I mean, so anyway, so I'm really hopeful we're going to take a bunch of steps forward over the next, you know, one yeah. to two years because science is, is, you know, basically the government has opened its pocketbook. Yes. Yeah. We are no longer totally fringy because yeah. you know, to be fair, I mean, like, you know, we talk, we think we're really very reasonable people, but you know, but, <laughs> I, 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 when I, when I walk and talk to the doctors who work in the regular hospitals, we're still pretty much on the edge. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Well, it's just like silver lining of this, you know, the world's terrible thing. Yeah. With the, you know, the greater intention that all of this information, like these um, pieces to the puzzle will continue to click. And then of course we can make, you know, just more momentum for all of the patients that we see, you know, so it's been a hard time, but there's, you know, again, these silver linings and this excitement, you know, if we can just get more eyes on what we've been seeing for so long. So we could talk all day and this has been a really fun conversation. And, you know, I want everybody to know about this mycotoxin and chronic illness summit. And we'll, anyone who's listening, will have a link in the show notes. And so as we wrap up, just we've talked about a number of speakers. We I think we have really all of our amazing colleagues that we all have either looked up to or pioneered certain, you know, protocols or um, perspectives are in the summit. So we, we just have so much knowledge and information to share um, during this event. But anyone we haven't mentioned that you would just want to highlight any favorite talks or insights that you got along the way, Nafisa, anyone come to mind that you haven't shared about the Wanna, yeah, I like Dr. Jill Carnahan's talk. Yeah, I love her work. Yeah, mm-hmm. love her work and love her. And she talked a lot about diagnostics. So if if there are doctors out there listening or patients out there who who want to be tested, be sure to listen to that one. Dr. Margaret Christensen discussed mm-hmm. the hormonal piece 
which um, is really overlooked a lot. So I think that's important. Important, and with Dr. Kelly McCann, we tied it all together, and so I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, awesome. How about you, Eric? Oh, well, I think what people will enjoy. I did about probably, I don't know, a bunch. Let me just run through, you know, we did uh, a talk about, uh, you know, neurologic chiropractors and where they would fit in, in better understanding what's going on, uh, you know, includes like, cause I said the TB, the, the traumatic brain injury. Anyways, I can go, from, I don't want to go on that rabbit hole, but basically inflammation in the brain shows up the same, doesn't matter how you got there. Okay, whether it's a bug or you got a bang. <laughs> you <know>? um, <laughs> Another one minor. That was uh, Dr. Joe Smith, uh, Dr. Uh, Sanjay Manchanja. Uh, we talked a lot about biofeedback and using light, viola, you know, different light sources and sound and QEEG. Again, understanding again, how to shift the system because Mm-hmm. You never know which what the doorway in is to your system to lower the inflammation. Um, we talked about EMFs, Pino, uh, Pino, Nicholas, is it? Pino? Yeah. yeah, Nick, and that was really informative. I mean, really nice, you know, because it's always nice. This is something that I've been interested in EMFs forever, but I must say, I always wind up my head spinning, and he did a great job of making it straightforward. Dr. Baratero, we talked a lot about uh, hydrogen water. And also about EMFs a bit. We had uh, I mean, great talks on fasting, and not more importantly, fasting, just diet mm. with Dr. Pompey. Some therapies I hadn't usually thought of. You know, like I said, we use a lot of um, FSM, but we talked about uh, pulsed uh, electric magnetic fields with Dr. Pollitt. Mm-hmm. That was really good. And um, pediatrics with Dr. Michelle Perot. I really uh, enjoyed that. Yeah. 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 And and Dr. Keisha, um, you about yeah, wonderful yeah. well about um about the emotional piece yeah. and tying that piece, the emotional piece and autoimmunity as well. Mm-hmm. She's very gifted in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I uh, just think the more, I mean, it was just uh, Dr. Uh, this fellow, um, Ken Schwartz, we talked about um, C60, something that I had the, the, I had played with for years, but I never, I, it's one of the, you know, so many things that come across your desk that you don't have time to do that deep dive that you plan to. Interesting, again, just seeing how you can use this, you know, how, how useful it is as an antioxidant for that end stage inflammatory place that, that we often, um, you know, have hard time, time tools getting to the real free, the real end stage free radicals, the superoxides and things. So that was really good. And I think we talked about it so people can understand. And of course, uh, Dr. Jill Christ and Dr. Lauren Tessier about mycotoxins in general, diagnostics and and treatments. Yeah. Yeah, it just, the list went on. And um, Dr. O'Brien, we, we got to talk a lot about, uh, again, brain inflammation and diet. Uh-huh. So I, and I think those were what I found that was really interesting. You know, I think there were two or three, yeah, three um, chiropractors who um, really just showed me the depth of their, uh, of, of the learning. You know, I mean, like I was really impressed with like, oh, my God, you've been, you know, you've been working in this field for so long and, and, and you really, um, you know, you're bringing such clear knowledge, you mm-hmm. know, which is really, really nice, you know, so people can use a lot of this stuff, you know, I mean, or just um, help make decisions because a lot of these health decisions are really personal. Again, it's what resonates with you. We, I don't think I always know enough to tell you how to mm-hmm. your, what your body needs completely. I can tell you at the extremes, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. 
But in that middle ground is what you feel that's mm-hmm. really important. Mm-hmm. And, and so the more information, I think that's what I think people will get from this is mm-hmm. a lot of information to help make your own decisions mm-hmm. a little bit better. And as we talking, I can say, you know, yeah, I really look forward to doing another one and, and maybe um, doing deeper dives in each one of these areas as people because people need the information in an understandable format. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. that's what I love about doing this summit, bringing all these wonderful speakers together with with so many uh, different lenses and, and being able to tie all that together. Yeah, connecting a lot of dots, right? And right. Um, no, so I know I love these events. And again, you all did the lion's share of all the interviews. And I'm so grateful that we could all collaborate um, and bring these powerful minds together for those of you who are going to be listening. So we can, again, hopefully connect the dots and shorten um, anyone who's suffering their, their time of suffering to get the right answers so that um, you all can get back to your life and, you know, live a really full, healthy life. I think that's all, that's why we're connected and doing this work. And so again, we'll have information about the summit in the show notes. So you can just sign up through that link. And if you want to learn more about Nafisa and Eric and their practice, we can have information as well. Um, what's your website? Um, Gordon Medical? GordonMedical.com. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And yeah. I just, one last thing, just yeah. the collaboration. I have to say is that, because I said, some of the people that I learned the most from were people that you suggested. Okay. And that's what's so important about collaboration, because otherwise you can know what you know and you think you it's in the sharing that we really move forward. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for thank you for doing doing this with us. It was wonderful. Oh, it's been so much fun. I have a saying, you know, it's like faster alone, farther together, right? The more that we, you know, we're, we have so much work to do. We have, a, it's a team effort, right? So no, I, um, this was just a really highlight of my year and it's been really fun to connect with you all. And I hope everyone who's listening, sign up for the summit. It's amazing. You really have the best minds in this field all in one place. So thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Navisa and Eric. And please, please check out the summit, the Mycotoxin and Chronic Illness Summit. Again, I learned so much. I'm going to be listening to some of the talks that um, Nafisa and Eric did interviews with. And our hope is that this really inspires and enlightens you on your journey to health.